Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our text this morning is about mothers, Sarah and Hagar. Hagar, of course, had Ishmael because Sarah said to Abraham, because he was unable to have children with her, to simply take Hagar and and, uh, ask Hagar if she wouldn't mind being a surrogate so that there might be a child to Abraham. But God promised that they would have their own child. And, And yet, after that promise, there was nothing, nothing, nothing for so long. And as happens, we lose our patience and we try to take things into our own hands. And we always kind of foul things up when that happens. But with that foul up came a beautiful child, Ishmael. And then the promise was fulfilled and and Isaac was born. And when these two mothers, Sarah and Hagar, were together after at a celebration when, when Isaac was being weaned, then it occurred to Sarah that maybe Ishmael would be sharing in the inheritance and she didn't want that and so she wanted Ishmael gone, wanted Hagar to take Ishmael and to leave. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the 21st chapter of Genesis. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abram prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, playing with her son Isaac. So she turned to Abram and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abram very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abram, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is a son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son also. So Abram got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, strapped it onto Hagar's shoulders, and he sent her away with their son. And she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. And she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, and burst into tears. God heard the boy crying. The angel of God called Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him, comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. 
And God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. Well, I remember one time in my life when I heard my mom swear. One time. And of course, dad was at fault. And I don't know what the occasion was, but we were having breakfast on a Saturday morning, all of us together. And dad was commenting about something, some mess in the house or something like that. And mom blew. She said, what do you think I, I am, a maid? Dad just opened his eyes, and we didn't know what to think, what to, what to believe, or what to, what to make of this, because we'd never heard Mom talk like that. So as soon as breakfast was done, Dad said, well, let's, let's go clean up this place. Anytime Mom was mad, we'd all start cleaning up. And then later that morning... Mom made a comment. She said, Andy, why don't we have a clock on this kitchen wall? See, Mom was still mad. Why don't we have a clock on this wall? And I thought, this is my opportunity. So I got on my bike. And I thought about this because I bought a bike recently because of this lousy virus that we're dealing with, so I can still get some exercise. And I've been riding seven or eight miles a day. And I got on my bike and rode up to the ABC store. I was about 10 years old. And I checked the mileage. It was about six miles to the store. And I, didn't, I thought nothing of it, because when you're a kid, you're just getting on a bike means that you have freedom. You go, and you're on your own. Went up to the ABC store, found a little wall clock. Brought it home. Gave it to mom. And mom thanked me and wept. And I was so happy that I had done that. Because as a kid, who of us appreciate what our moms do, how hard they work, how tirelessly, how selflessly they, they operate as, as, our, as our parents? We have no clue what it was for us to be within the womb. And then the pain, the anguish of waiting and childbirth and those early years and all of that stuff that we go through. So when I was about 10 years old, that was the first time I had a a moment where I was granted some appreciation for, for my mother. And so how critical it is that we understand just how tough it is for moms to do what they do. And this story of of Sarah and Hagar. So Abraham takes Hagar, probably old enough to be his daughter, and they share this child together, Ishmael. 
And Ishmael, as a boy, was loved by Abraham. It was his son. And, you know, Don shared with me a DVD of Richard Harris playing Abraham in the movie Abraham. And I loved the movie because it showed Ishmael as a beautiful, curly-haired boy whom Abraham loved so much. And of course he did. And, and he loved this child as he grew, but then God fulfilled his promise, and here comes another child, Isaac. And, and for Abraham, this is all win. More kids, two boys. But for the moms, it's a little different because the mother's love for her children takes on different permutations and different angles than that simply of dads because dads, for the most part, are in the business of playing. We play with our kids, play with our grandkids, but moms have to raise them more than we do. And and so we, we face these two women when... When Isaac is being weaned, he's probably three, four years old. He's certainly on his feet, able to run around and able to be enough of a, of a boy for her to see what he's becoming. And then she sees Hagar and Ishmael. And she sees Abraham and his love for both of those boys and for Hagar and of course, for Sarah. And for Sarah, this was not enough, but I also believe that in the, in the providence of God, in the divine mysteries of God's intent, in the providential necessities of life, she asked that Abraham send her away. And God came to Abraham because this was a hard word to him. God came to him and said, yes, do, do what Sarah has advised. So Abraham takes Hagar and Ishmael and does something exceedingly painful. He sends them away, calls on them to leave. And Hagar and Ishmael Hagar knows where she's from. She's from Egypt. Presumably she knows the way, but somehow she gets lost. She's caught in the desert. They run out of food. They run out of water. It's become a desperate situation. She has nothing left. She takes her son and puts him in the shade of a small tree, and and she turns her face away. She can't stand to see because she believed her son was soon to die. How many women have to go through that? How many mothers go through that? Every time I've ever spoken to a man who is going to, for whatever reason, divorce, I've always told that man, that husband, treat her Christianly. Be a man with her. Take care. Make sure she is okay. Don't leave her destitute and alone. Make sure your children are okay. 
We live in a time and a culture where when divorce happens, it's like get all we can, take all we can, and who cares about anyone else? It's a time of destitution. How many times have women faced such destitution? Whether it was from divorce or from death, and the anguish and the pain that women have because of the life, the health, the direction, the choices that their, their children make, and they suffer so deeply and with so much anguish. And so Hagar is a bit of a metaphor for all women who find themselves in a different or in a difficult and desperate place. And God hears the child. God sends his angel. God intervenes. God saves Hagar and, and Ishmael and makes a promise to them that through Ishmael, a great nation will be established. And with that hope, after having her eyes open to see some water, she goes off to Egypt, finds a wife for her son, and the rest, as we know, is history. And those two boys maybe never got along together after that, and those two boys don't get along together to this day. But at the same time, God blessed Hagar. God blessed Ishmael. God bless Sarah and God bless Isaac. God's intention is that we do well through these times. It's never God's desire that we wither and die, that we suffer at the hand of of the hardship and evil of our world. So God blessed everyone. God's promises were fulfilled. And because there is such a a divine necessity about this stuff of children, I always get a kick out of it when somebody finally tells their child when that child is maybe 17 or 18 years old, you know, sweetheart, you were an accident. (laughs) There are no accidents. And and when, when these accidents occur... They're accidents of divine intention. I I like to joke that God had those kids up in heaven and said, we got to get this kid out of here. Get him down there. We got to get him out of here and down there where they belong. Divine intention. I spoke yesterday with my daughter, Amy, because she is a a mother of three boys, which makes her a real mom now. And um, she, uh, she had a birthday yesterday, and her, today is Mother's Day. And so I wanted to chat with her. So when FaceTime came on, here was the face of little Luke, uh, a, a head the shape of a watermelon, big cheeks and healthy little boy. He saw me in the on the phone, and I got a big smile. 
Luke was born seven weeks premature. And this is a child that almost was not with us. And what a joy it is to see this little, this little baby in that loving home with, her old, with his older brothers misbehaving and, and mom and dad there doing what they have to do. And I told Amy, I've got to get out there to baptize that little boy because I failed with the other two. They're both very misbehaving little boys. And so maybe I'll do better with the third when I baptize little Luke. And um, so we have this wonderful little family And that little boy, except for divine intentionality, in all likelihood would not have been here. I shared with you a year and a half ago how Amy had volunteered to be a surrogate for one of her dear friends in Spokane that she went to college with. And she went through the process, and it didn't take didn't work. She was going to go through it again. And then they decided that as time was going on, Amy had her 34th birthday yesterday, and as time was progressing, she was realizing that she really wanted to have her own child. And and so she declined. And in the Spokesman Review yesterday in Spokane, Washington, is an article about that woman for whom Amy was to become a surrogate. It turns out that that couple had adopted two foster children, one who was suffering from a heart defect and the other who was born both with syphilis as well as drug addicted, these two children. And after it turned out that Amy was not to be the surrogate for this woman, she approached her two sisters. And both of her sisters agreed, even though they were well into their 30s at this point, to be a surrogate for, for Ellie. And, or Erica. Erica is her name. And so the article told the story about this couple who could not have their own children, who adopted two foster children whose health was severely compromised. And then the sisters, who acted as surrogates so that this couple now has four children, four beautiful kids, and yet kids with whom there are some challenges because of health. And... It struck me that as I read that, that there was a divine necessity for little Luke to be born because Amy was no longer able to have any further children. And had she bore that child a year and a half ago, what happened in her body probably would have happened then. And she would not have been able to have that. And then there were two other kids up in heaven that God wanted to get out of there. And now they're with their new mom, with Erica, in Spokane, Washington. And so it is that with, with childbirth, with motherhood, we look into the very face of divine necessity. 
When we look at the eyes of those children, when we look at the face of that, of that mother, we see there the, the joyous reality of God's intention for us. And it's a great mystery. The mystery of Sarah and Hagar. The mystery of Ishmael and Isaac. We never know how these things spin out, but we know after the fact that they had to be. That it was necessary that they be here. So as we enter into and participate in that mystery together, the mystery of families, the mystery of childbearing, mystery of child rearing, we enter into something that is far beyond our view, and that is the intentionality of God to bring about his will in his way. This morning, I, I wear the shoes that I wore when I buried mom. And I wear the tie that I wore when I buried dad. We cannot love enough. We cannot love enough. You join me in prayer. Thank you, O Lord. We try to take matters into our own hands all too often. And predictably, we foul things up. You redeem them. But we can so often make a mess of things. Out of the barrenness of our hearts, O Lord, bring to us the Ishmaels and the Isaacs of your will. Give us, O Lord, a deep and abiding joy, knowing that it is you who are the author of life. We pray in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.